You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, everybody? This week on the Live Different Podcast, I had an opportunity to sit down with Chris Reynolds. Chris is from the Business Method Podcast, and he has over 100 interviews with 100 location-independent entrepreneurs that have over $1 million in annual revenue. I was lucky enough to be featured on the Business Method Podcast and had an hour-long conversation with him about how we have done it, how I've had the unique opportunity to travel around the world for the last six years and grow the business. I'm really open and transparent about everything, including the challenges along the way. Uh, This is an interview with me, so the tables are turned, and uh, I really tried to provide as much value for his listeners as I possibly could, drawing from everything that, again, that I've learned over the last six years and over the last 10 to 15 years building businesses personally. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really did my best to uh, be an open book about the challenges and where we're looking to go with under 30 experiences because it is not easy as a startup founder and small business owner. So uh, I hope you really enjoy this and sit back, get ready for something fun. Oh, and also just To let you guys know, we get off to a little bit of a slow start talking about living in Costa Rica because it turned out that he had done some time in the exact places that I have. Uh, So yeah, we get off to a slow start, but it is uh, entertaining and you'll hear the colloquialism that I try to establish with everybody who I talk to and and just speak to them like they were a traveler that I met somewhere, uh, you know, whether it was in a bar or in a hostel or who knows where. So enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back and we have Matt Wilson on the mic today. Matt, I have to say hello. How are you doing? You're calling in from Austin today, right? I am. I sure am here in Austin, Texas. It's a beautiful day. Very cool. Now, I know you hail from Costa Rica and you and I cross paths, but we never properly met at Freedom X in Spain. And uh, we were both speaking there and never got the chance to kind of sit down and chit chat. But uh, I heard some really good things about you. I wanted to come to your presentation, but coincided with my presentation and I was doing it at the same time. So I had to miss it. And I was like, ah, oh, I got to hold a mat. And, but thank you for being open to come on to the podcast so we can get to know each other a little bit more. How are you, first off? And how's, uh, how's Austin? Good. I'm good. I'm excited, of course, to be here at our headquarters, uh, if you will, in Austin, but taking off, I think I told you earlier we were chatting, headed to Bali for a yoga retreat and then over to Thailand to visit our team there. And yeah, you say hail from Costa Rica. Originally, I'm from New York, of course, um, but I've spent, I've been going down to Costa Rica since 2011 or 12. And uh, yeah, I spend more and more time there each year. I pretty much live there full time at this point. So pretty fun place. Where about in Costa Rica do you live? Uh, Manuel Antonio. It's on the Pacific side. No way. Do you, yeah. I used to live there. I lived there for a year in really? 2011, 2012. Yeah. Oh, where where'd you live? We lived in, um, there's an old K-Post Road. I don't sure. know if you know it. Yeah, yeah the gravel road that goes up the hill from, yeah. So we lived there. and Where, where, um, where exactly on that road, if you, you don't know, mind me yeah, telling The you. town's small enough, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I um, used to live on that. I lived on that road for two years. Uh, our staff house is still on that road. 
No way. Wow. Yeah, small world. Okay. So is the restaurant still on the road? El Arado. Um, yeah. Yes, that's it. Okay, so you go down in a little apartment complex, kind of an orangish, yellowish apartment complex. Uh, Pez Vela, right before Via Teca. There's a pool behind it, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Uh, Apartamentos yeah. Pez Vela, it's called. So we lived actually behind that. So our landlord is Fernando. Not um, Victor. Name. You know him? No. He's the guy who owned his family uh, owned the farm there. Okay. No, it wasn't wasn't him. But there was just a little two bedroom house. It was kind of brown and yeah, yellowish, and has of course has a gate around it, and then an apartment behind it. Oh man, I wish I knew my landlord's name right now. But it was it was 2012, so it's been <laughs> it's a while, six yeah, years. Yeah, that gate with the pool, and it's it's two bedrooms, top uh, top and bottom floor. There's two apartments right there. Uh, yes, yes, correct. Yeah, yep. yeah. The guy who know, uh, owns it is called Don Don Victor, and his family. He's got the two golden retrievers. Do you remember the dog? I remember some dogs. Yeah. Anyway, we're going uh, down a real rabbit yeah. hole, but uh, I have to ask you if you've. Uh, hike to Playa La Macha right there. <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, down in beach behind there. Yes, yeah, I went down there many times, man. We would go down there, and yeah, because it was right behind our house. I loved it. So we ran a little daycare. So there was a, a woman named Diane that ran a daycare, and she left to go back to the states. She married a Tico. She went back to the states. She was from Florida, and then we took over her daycare, and um, we ran it from like eight to noon. And I was working online at the time. Just left the U.S. with a lady that I used to date, and um, yeah, that's wild, Small man. Small world. <laughs> I mean, that's a little town, and we live. You can hit a In golf ball path. from one from from my place to where I used, or from yeah, my place to your place. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I wonder. Um, we, I'm sure we cross paths. I wonder, I wonder, I should have looked on Facebook to see if we were friends. I'm sure we have mutual friends. You, of course, you know, um, Bon and his dad that run the Peace Hostel. Uh, Peace Hostel. I think that actually, I don't think that exists anymore. Sounds yeah, familiar. Okay. Yeah, it, it may have went out of business, but they, they ran it where the old Teffel house was. Um, kind of oh, okay. Yeah, out on that road that went out out on the, no, I guess, north side of town, the dirt road. Anyway, yeah, so listeners have no idea what we're talking about right now. <laughs> no, but that well, it was too uh, too fun not to catch up. Yeah, so wild. Okay, so, so yeah, welcome to the show, man. And it's good to know that Manuel Antonio is still kicking and it's an amazing little beach surf town if anybody wants to uh, head down that way, but not too many people so Matt doesn't get flooded with uh, too many travelers come, or too many tourists coming down that way. But No, please. We, we do have 18 mutual friends on Facebook. I just looked it up. Wow. Yeah. How wild. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk more about that after the show. Sure. So, yeah, I've got a I've got a load of questions for you. As you know, we're interviewing 107 figure location independent entrepreneurs, and we're on the tail. I think you're going to be on the last five. So, I think we've done uh, around 93, 94, 95 or so. So, I love to get into the minds of people who are just starting out the businesses organically. They love travel. They love to create something that uh, helps other people. So I'd like to just give you the mic for a couple of minutes and kind of get your backstory about how you started to travel and become location independent and start uh, the business that you have now under 30 experiences. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, 
Long story short, I was living in New York, uh, working in Silicon Alley and uh, working for startups and doing the hustle and the grind and worshiping Gary Vaynerchuk and all that kind of stuff. And that gets old quick. Uh, You know, it just was a lot of long hours, 14 to 16 hours a day in front of the computer. And when I wasn't doing that, I was partying and just living and doing what young people do in, in New York, I guess, but kind of got to be the point where it was the same conversations with the same people. I mean, startups are exciting, don't get me wrong. But personally, it wasn't fulfilling. It was going to the same bars and doing the same dumb stuff. And yeah, I needed a change. I got invited on a trip to Iceland. and I didn't even know where Iceland was at that point, but <laughs> looked it up, saw videos, and I said, yeah, this place looks awesome. And I went, met this guy named Siggy, and uh, he was a mountain guide there. Uh, in 2010, the BBC knocked on his door because they heard he was a mountain guide and could bring them to the top of Eyjafjallajökull, the volcano that erupted in 2010 and stopped all the air traffic. And oh, wow. he just kind of looked at the people like, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I've been, I've been on the rescue team since I was 12. Of course, I can bring you up the volcano. And then his wheels started turning and saying, wait, we have this amazing, amazing piece of nature uh, in our backyard. You know, I'm Icelandic. And he started his tour business there. And uh, I met him over there and we started kicking around ideas and we said, let's, let's do a retreat together. I'll, I'll try to bring some Americans over and you can help run the thing. We'll co-lead it. And it started like that because I found amazing connections in Iceland to give us access to places in their country and parts of the culture that you couldn't just see as a, a tourist. And so I started really traveling after that, packed up my stuff, you know, threw my mattress in the freight elevator of the 39th floor apartment that I was living in. And I told the doorman, I don't care, put it on the curb, whatever you want to do, I'm out of here. So I went to Costa Rica, met somebody who lived in Costa Rica, went down there, crossed over to Nicaragua, got invited to Indonesia, just started traveling like crazy, ended up going to France and living in Paris for a little while. Just, you know, really did the the digital nomad wanderlust type of life. But each place I would go, I would scout out new locations where I could bring people. And we started marketing under 30 experiences, a travel company for people ages 21 to 35. And it was all about community. It still is all about community because I didn't have people in New York who wanted to travel because everybody was worried about the, you know, the house and the ring and the car and the kids and work, time off, blah, 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 which all of that are sometimes necessities of life. But I wanted to go explore and meet people whose values aligned a little bit more like my own. And through travel, it just opened me up. I mean, I'm a completely different person now, (laughs) you know, instead of partying on the weekends. I spend my time working on my my own health and wellness and uh, practicing yoga, meditating, reading books, really trying to make myself the best person that I can possibly be. And, you know, as I saw new places and opened up to new ideas and started to learn new languages, learn how to surf and all these things, it just I, I don't know. I just changed and wanted to, to connect with other people who had ambitions to do the same. And so we've been bringing travelers 
through under 30 experiences to places all over the world now for the last six years. And uh, yeah, it's been a, a pretty wild ride and, and built a, an amazing business uh, around it as well. It's incredible, man. I think if we would have met in Costa Rica back in the day, this used to be my dream business model. Maybe I would have teamed up with you and, and or at least joined up in some fashion, maybe work for you guys. But uh, I think it's a genius idea. I got to know a couple things. First off, before we dive into the business side of things, why do you choose Manuel Antonio in Costa Rica as your hub? So I just felt at home there. I did a season in Tamarindo to the north uh-huh. in Costa Rica. And that was right around 2012, so we might have not actually crossed paths uh, because, okay. again, if you've ever, ever been up to Tamarindo, it's all about surfing. It's still a kind of a party scene and not kind of a party scene. I mean, there is a party scene there. It's more your maybe entry-level gateway to Costa Rica when you're at the right age and at that time of, of your life. And then once I heard about Manuel Antonio and, and realized that there's a lot more lush nature, I mean, the jungle meets the ocean. So you have the best of both worlds where you can, you know, we have three different types of monkeys, two different types of sloths, and lush what feels like rainforest there where you can still surf and have these incredible beaches. And uh, so, yes, yeah, just the adventure is paradise. And, and the culture is close enough to the United States where it feels you know, yeah, I feel at home there. You know, when you just have the feeling that like, oh, this is for me, that's what yeah. happened. And it, it, <laughs> it hooked me. It's such a short flight too, right? Three hours to Texas. Yeah. Three hours there, five hours up to New York. Want to see my grandmother in Miami, a couple of, yeah. you know, two and a half hours. So it, it really worked out nicely. And I don't meet many people like yourself down there. I mean, there are plenty of people who come through, uh, but I've actually started to transition back here to Austin just so I can be on top of my business game and not just be in the jungle barefoot uh, like yeah. I am most of the time. <laughs> that, that was the one thing that I missed too. Like we spent 13 months there and I missed my like-minded um, entrepreneurial personal growth communities. And while there's some amazing people there and a lot of people, a lot of great people that come through there. After I left, I actually realized I started a business called the Entrepreneur House that brought entrepreneurs together and co-living experiences around the world. And I realized that was the big thing that I was missing. So it was kind of the big lesson for me to when I left Manuel Antonio, is I had this kind of hole in me. I'm like, what? Is, why am I lonely? You know, I'm living in paradise. And then I found my people and I was like, ah, that's the reason I just didn't have them down there. But yeah, it is an amazing place for sure. Do they still have the the market on Friday and Saturday nights that oh, sell yeah. the the magical brownies? Oh, the magical brownie! <laughs> I haven't seen that dude in a while. Uh, <laughs> that's that's really funny. But um, I know the guy you're talking about at La Feria. He's so he's so scandalous. To, you know, he'd always he'd always rip us off. And we're like, dude, we know you're ripping us off, and he's like, <laughs> Yeah, he's, I guess that's how it goes down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, cool. So you started this, were you in Costa Rica when you came up with the idea for this business or? That was actually born in Iceland on top of a volcano. I actually remember I I had the literal epiphany standing on a volcano with my friend Siggy, my Icelandic friend, watching the sunset at about 1130 p.m. 
over that volcano that I just described. And Siggy has this tradition where, you know, he has a scotch and a cigar at the top of every mountain that he summits. And it was just like that moment where like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I not doing more of this? Why are all uh, my friends chained to their desks in New York? And how can I pay forward this experience that I'm having on to other people? Very, very cool. And the implementation, did you start implementing the, and growing a business? And you came back to New York and started to do some traveling, right? Were you growing the idea while you were traveling? Yes, no, absolutely. So I had a business at that time, under30ceo.com. And we were a media site for entrepreneurs. It's, it still exists. It's, uh, it's not ours anymore. We don't own it. It was acquired in 2016. But we're a media site for entrepreneurs, publish news, advice, interviews, articles to about a half a million monthly readers at our peak. And so our first trip was a retreat specifically for entrepreneurs. And then everybody started asking like, hey, do you have to be under 30? Do you have to be a CEO? What's the deal with your trips? They look awesome because everyone saw the photos on social media and it grew very organically. And we just said, now come, if you're cool, we'll have a good time. And uh, everybody started telling their friends about it after that. Now, what I like about this model is that you do a lot of just organic meetups for the community of under 30 experiences. And and I like that. We had Stefan Jacob, who's the CEO of Cotopaxi, and he just started kind of doing the same thing. He just started organic either races, 5K, 10K races, and going on promoting on college campuses. Now they've got an amazing business. We had another gentleman who is the founder of, um, oh, she's the business said my name, but they, they, oh, Ivy. And they also do, I don't know if you're familiar with them because they're more popular in New York, but they do meetups and their whole business model is based on hundreds of meetups per year. And that's really cool because it's just such an organic thing that, that travelers are going to do anyway. They're going to go to meetups and then it's kind of the end, right? So people kind of get warmed up to you guys and then they, they book a trip later because of the meetups, correct? Absolutely. We've actually spoken a number of times to Ivy about doing some biz dev together because they have a lot of meetups uh, as we mm-hmm. do. And those are people looking to meet other young people and looking to do something fun with their life. I mean, their target marketer are people who have good jobs or went to Ivy League schools. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's obviously a, a really great market for us. And yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. We, the idea originated for the meetups because we wanted to take what we did on the trips and take a little part of that back to where we came from. So whether it was you know, sharing food and drinks with people going on a hike, uh, going kayaking, little outdoor excursion, meeting new people, uh, these types of things. We've had outdoor workouts in New York. We've had yoga. We've had all sorts. I mean, we've had camping trips, ski trips in in the United States as well, which are a little bit larger productions, but we're just trying to get good people together. That's really cool, man. I know you were running the the under thirty CEO. Is that did did that just carry over? Any other reason why you decided to pick this niche? No, I mean uh, under thirty CEO. We chose that name when we were twenty two postgraduates, and uh, yeah, twenty two years old. This is uh, Jared O'Toole, and I'm I. 
Yeah, me and Jared O'Toole are my co-founder. And yeah, we chose that name when we were 22 and never thought we'd see 30. But uh, here I am at 32. <laughs> the name's still here. And well, it's just a hell of a <laughs> hell of an honor that the thing stuck around so long. So that's that's amazing. And now we're, you know, as you said, uh, uh, we're seven figures and, and location independent. Pretty cool. You, when you're 40, are you still going to go on your own trips and people, do you think that people will be okay with that? I mean, I might be the creepy old guy, but uh, yeah, I think I can still like, hang. Who's the old guy on the trip? Yeah, what's he doing here? <laughs> exactly. No, we, and for people listening, if they want to get involved with our community, as long as they're young at heart and understand, yeah, you're going to have to keep up with young people as long as you're not, I don't know, again, creepily old. And uh, do it, you're there for the right reasons, it's obvious very quickly. Yeah, very cool. Growing a business, was there a lot of hustle in the early days for you guys? Or is there something that you guys just took more organically and grew at one trip by another trip by another trip? Uh, how'd that look? Well, I think both. There was a lot of hustle to get it to grow one trip by the next trip to the next trip. And we <laughs> had to recruit people and invite people at first. And, you know, just finding our first couple travelers was extremely difficult because no, everyone's like, wait, a bunch of bloggers want to take us uh, on a trip to Iceland? This doesn't make any sense. Uh, why should I trust them? And you know, who the heck do these guys think they are? And so a friend of mine named Ray Land, an entrepreneur himself, called me up and he said, yeah, I'm in. And, and I said, well, thank God, because I hope you know, it's just you and I right now. So I'm, <laughs> I'm down for a, for a guy's trip. And he said, no, no, we'll, we'll salvage this. And he's a, he's a funny guy, if anybody knows Ray. And he's got a big Southern accent. He said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll dial in a, a couple of our buddies. And he, he literally got in and, and started conferencing other people in and just cold calling some people who he thought would be fun for the group. And uh, nice. he landed, he's a good salesman. He, he landed a couple <laughs> people. So the, and the first trip was, was really a runaway success, which, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty amazing. You know, you got a good entrepreneur friend when he'll call his buddies up and enroll them into your new business. And so you can go travel together. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, how many trips did you go on until you stopped going on them? Oh, God. Well, I, I've, never per I've never completely stopped going on them, which is important, especially as the, the CEO of the company. I mean, I go on a trip next week. Now I can't. You know, now I can't go on 10 a year uh, because that's right. a lot of time out of the office, but which is, of course, ironic in itself. But I probably went on the first, oof, I mean, at least the first 50 trips. I mean, I was the original trip leader. It didn't matter what country we were going to. I was there with my local connections, meeting the people at the airport, doing every facet of the business, which... Uh, now, you know, I get to manage teams who, yeah, manage teams of people who, who do this for us. We're almost 30 employees. And yeah, again, pretty, pretty neat. But it's so important for, I totally understand the consumer. And I need to continue to do that as I, as I age a little bit here and understand what they want. And being a part of your own community is incredibly important. Yeah, what I want to get, what I wanted to get to is the process of, you letting the first trip go without you actually going on it. Does that Ooh, make sense? Sure. So building trust, I think, was the most important thing. And uh, we had a our very first trip leader other than myself. His name was Caesar. He came on a trip 
to Nicaragua. Uh, he was living in Miami at the time, but he was originally from Nicaragua. And he came down and he just became our cultural liaison and our ambassador to his country. And he was a traveler. And he pulled me aside after and was like, hey, man, uh, your Spanish isn't any good. You can't salsa dance. <laughs> and there's probably three more ways I could be better at, than you at this. Uh, what do you think I help you out for free? And we said, well, yeah, that sounds amazing. And uh, so Caesar still works for Under 30 Experiences today. He became our first trip leader. He didn't get paid at first, like I said, uh, you know, that he worked doing sales, community management stuff. He became our Central American manager. Now he's our, our chief of staff for the entire company. And so I just trusted him eventually when I was going on a, a trip a week at mm -hmm. one point and can't do more than a, a couple of months. And so, I mean, they're, they're brutal. You're on your feet at yeah. 7 a.m. With the, with the group and you don't go to sleep until well after midnight. They're all on vacation. But as a trip leader, you're not. You're not. <laughs> and, <Yes. laughs> uh, you know, and, and in the early days, we had less rules and a lot more fun. Not that trip leading isn't fun now, but now it's turned into a profession for a lot of people. But there, you know, you have to respect your own limits and your own health and know mm -hmm. when to call it a night. And that became, you know, and so I'd be doing that and building company. It's not just enough to keep the people happy. You, you want to grow the business and do all the back end stuff. So eventually I just said, all right, so you got to take this one because uh, I'm exhausted. And, uh, but <laughs> man, we went to a lot of places. And then I'll tell you, I became the kind of the scout. So I'd go places, scout it out. And then I'd put together the itineraries, make all the local connections, taste the food, sleep in the beds at the restaurants, etc. And then I'd run the first one and train somebody and hand it off. And so I did that up until, I don't know, last year or two years ago, because that's one of the biggest perks of the of job of of being a business owner and now i've even transitioned a little bit further away where i just joined for the yoga retreats and my girlfriend is a yoga teacher and she does two two a year right now one in costa rica and one out in bali and so that's a pretty cool experience for, for us to be able to share in and uh yeah still keeps me in touch with with our travelers i get to go under the hood as i call it <laughs> I could totally relate, man. When I was doing, I would do like month, one or two months, and even in one time, three month co living. And I was the guide for those, the, that time. And it was exhausting, you know, taking care of people during that, that whole month. But then I was also building the business and going, finding, going to find new, do research for new locations and making the contacts. And it was, it was a hustle, man. So much respect to you. Because I think that's to build a business off that, that's a lot of work and a lot of emotional investments to do that. So kudos, ma'am. And also what an incredible testimonial to your first guide who volunteered for the job first and then is now a major part of your business. Like that's anybody, any listener out there that is thinking about joining a business or wants to join a business, volunteer first. Nobody's going to say, very few entrepreneurs are going to say, no, I don't want you to work for me for free for the first month or two, you know, or the first trip or whatever it is. 
and then you get to you get an in, you get an easy in, and then you you know you may have an opportunity open up to where that person can work for the company. So, have you had anybody else do that with you guys, or was it just the? I'm sorry, I forgot his name. The first guy Caesar. from Nicaragua, Caesar. Yeah. You know, we've had uh, we have another guy named Eric, and he started hustling. He was working on Wall Street. He was about a year out of school, had a big fancy job, realized it wasn't for him came on one of our trips and he said, all right, what can I do? How can I hustle? And yeah, so he started hustling for us, just doing business development. And to be honest, nothing ever nothing ever came. He never got any results from this biz dev that he used to do for us. I can't even remember what it was, but he just stayed diligent. He just stayed, stayed persistent. And uh, now he has what people would probably call the best job in the company. He is the head of product. And so he's this year, he's been to the Galapagos. He's been to New Zealand. He's going to a conference in Brazil. He scouted out our trip to Japan. <laughs> like the kids, uh, the kids doing well for himself. And he, yeah, so he took over what I used to do scouting out trips. And so, yeah, he's a, he's a true digital nomad in every sense of of the word but yeah he hustled his way on from uh, from being a traveler and it's easier to do that when it's a small company now mm-hmm. that we are a player in the travel industry now we have more contacts with other companies and we can recruit people at conferences and we have industry contacts but when you're first starting out and you don't know anybody you know you're you're rowing the boat it's like whatever whoever is jumps on the boat, get them on board. But uh, once you kind of turn into more of a ship, if you will, then you can, you need to be more selective about, all right, so we have certain qualifications, certain things that we look for in candidates, especially past experience. You know, you can't just send, a, uh, if somebody doesn't have first aid and CPR, you can't just send them out as a, as a trip leader. So lots to think about. Right. Yeah, that's a really good. That's it. That's the next thing I want to talk about is logistics for a business like this. I think a lot of people, when they think about, especially service businesses, a lot of people stick to products just because they don't want to get into the logistics of service and working with humans as clients. <laughs> and and I'm curious, you know, you go out and you do a lot of that. You used to go at least go do a lot of the ground research. And now you have people do that. In the early days, I guess, in, in even a couple of years ago, when you're still doing it, how was managing the logistics for you? For me personally, <laughs> it was a nightmare. No, it wasn't a nightmare. It, just, it was something that I wasn't particularly fond of. Because details aren't my thing. Okay, if you're on a trip, I'm going to take really good care of you. But that yeah. doesn't mean once we have uh, 50 trips, once we have 150 trips, that I'm going to be able to make 150 different bookings at all the different hotels, coordinate all the transportation. Even now we're like 250 trips a year or something. So we have four or five regional managers across Asia, South America, Central America, Europe, and they have that job, but they were handpicked and came from experience at other travel companies. And so for me, organizing all of that and starting all our systems and our processes from scratch, as someone who never worked in the industry before, it was really tough. And it was just a lot to keep myself racked you know, my head wrapped around because there's just a lot of details and it was not my strength. Yet we 
didn't know anybody who was better at it. And I had been to all these places. So yeah, I know the name of the hotel here. I know the name of the transportation company over here. I can write all the itineraries. But just keeping up with that workload and the level of detail, you can't screw anything up. Uh, or you need to be able to come up. You need to have people on the ground who can fix it for you. And that's what the regional managers bring now. But if I screwed up, you know, what, I'd have to fly there and fix it myself. So like, for example, there's a big strike going on in Costa Rica. Well, I know our, our regional manager has it covered because she has a wealth of contacts. You know, if the road gets blocked here, she can call somebody who she knows that lives on that road to attend to the group, etc. So uh, how many trips did you say you're doing a year now? Probably close to 250. Wow. How big is the team now? Uh, close to 30 people altogether, maybe a little more than that. Is everybody remote or do you guys have an office base in Texas? No. So we actually, we have our office here. It's a co-working space. There's about 10 of us in Austin. Uh, we have up to, you know, it's seasonal in Costa Rica, but we have one manager and about six to seven trip leaders in Costa Rica. Thailand, we have somebody full time and then a few staff over there. Europe, we we have a office man or we have a regional manager, someone to help out in the office in addition to the staff over there. So we actually much prefer to work hands on but or, or in the same place. But because of the nature of the business, yeah, of course, we're going to do a lot of work remotely, digitally. Yeah, makes sense. And how much time are you spending actually at the quote unquote office in Austin compared to being, you know, away traveling? That's a good question. I, I kind of I mentioned that I'm transitioning more here to Austin because at first a lot of our team lived down there in Manuel Antonio in Costa Rica, our marketing guy, our community manager, uh, Caesar, this chief of staff. So it was a lot more convenient for us for me to live in Costa Rica because people around, my team was around. But now, it just to feed off of the energy of them, to have clear communication in the same room. I know your, your listeners are probably all digital nomads, but I really like in-person communication, yet flexibility where you can go and take off. Like our marketing guy was like, hey man, I'm going to Colorado for a week and he had just gone through a long stretch of work and he earned it. So, okay, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I just spent three weeks in, in Europe, came back to Austin, went to visit my family in New York for a long weekend, came back here for a couple of weeks. I'm going to Asia for three weeks. Then I'll be back here for six weeks. Then I'll probably be in Costa Rica. So, you know, I, I don't sit around, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. What part of Asia? You said you were going to Bali, right? Yeah, so going to Bali for our yoga retreat, and then I'm headed over to Thailand to meet with our team, preview some of the trip, uh, because it's been a while since I've been over there. I'll be in Chiang Mai here in a couple of weeks. So if you're oh, around no Chiang Mai, we should have a coffee uh, on me. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, let's do it. I'll be there in October anyhow. Yeah, I'll be there for sure. Cool. We usually spend October, November down in, in Chiang Mai and we do the um, DCBKK conference and then go up and we actually have an event that we run afterwards. So it's a lot of... October is a great time for Thailand, right? Like it's... Um, Especially Chiang Mai, good weather, things are calming down. I think it's, and it's a beautiful city anyway. Yeah, yeah I can't wait to go. You have to send me the info on uh, what's going on over there. 
Yeah, for sure. So what I, I do want to ask you more about the meetups and the marketing that you guys do. Are you guys, well, I, I imagine that I'm curious, like how many people do you get to come to your events through the organic meetups that you guys have host? So a lot of the people uh, come because they heard about us online and saw that this is an opportunity to validate that we are a real company, that the people aren't weird, that, uh, <laughs> yeah, they just feel more comfortable before booking a trip to God knows where, <laughs> right? Like, uh, yeah, anywhere in the world that we go, kind of 15, 20 different countries at this point, they'd rather take a risk and go out for a happy hour and just meet somebody. And everybody, the best part is, everybody was there, like, is saying, oh, yeah, I went to Machu Picchu with these guys. Oh, yeah, I, I just got back from Ireland. And people are all soaked on it. So it's really good marketing in that way because it, it spreads organically. And then some people bring friends. And then we have our alumni, as we call them. They are community managers. And so they will tell their, you know, they'll like post in the new, new to the city groups on Facebook, like new to Austin. That's a big one that our community manager from Austin will post in and tell people. And so we'll get people who show up, don't have any friends. And now they do. They don't have to come on a trip if they don't want to, but just come and have fun. And yeah, no pressure. It's, it's totally an organic thing. Very cool. And and so it's basically the alumni that are hosting the events in the different cities? Yes. So yeah. about through probably 30 different cities across wow. the U.S. and Canada. But then we will send some of our staff to the bigger ones. So we have two trip leaders who've been all over the world this year leading trips. And it's, you know, not a lot of people travel in September, October. It's a little bit slower. They needed a break. So they came here to the office and they planned out a East Coast and West Coast meetup tour. And so they will go and meet up, you know, do these meetups across the East and West Coasts and meet the travelers that they just saw in who knows where across the world. And so they're hosting little mini reunions. So we try to send our staff to some of the bigger events if we can to, to support and show gratitude and uh, have a good time. I like that. Could you guess roughly on and the amount of people that, that go on your trips, how many actually attend a meetup before they come on a trip? Do you have any idea on that number or the uh, percentage? Before, it's not too high i would say 10 percent uh or so it's not not that high um and we've had a couple thousand travelers this year already and so yeah i don't think tons of them had come before a trip but we also incentivize people to come to meetups and we give them hundred dollar discount codes so Mm -hmm. yeah then once they once they're part of the the club that then they say we don't say the club but just to figure a speech. Yeah, what's the part yeah. of the cool kids club? And they, they come out, get a discount, it's the people, uh, it's the win win all around. That's cool, man. What's the future of under thirty experiences look like for you guys? So we just want to scale in or again an organic pace where we can stay boutique and do something very meaningful for people because we think that we're doing a really good thing in this world, both giving to our travelers uh, because people need to go out and see the world. I really strongly believe in this for all the reasons that I said at the beginning of the, sh- of the show. I mean, travel has su- had such profound 
impact me that I want to pay that forward to other people and our whole team feels the same, but also in the local communities where we operate overseas, especially in the developing world, we're able to keep the money in the local economies and spend our money the right way, support causes that are very positive and have cultural exchanges and work with local community organizations. And so Florida keeps scaling that. That has the power to change the world, we, we really believe. And so we just want to do it the right way. We want our community to still sit, still feel tight-knit as we grow. So, yeah, scale is important to us. And, you know, we just hit the 5,000 list. Uh, we were number 801. Wow. 800 is basically fastest-growing company in America, like number eight in travel, okay. all of travel and tourism, which nice. is crazy. But we don't want to just, uh, yeah, we want to make sure we do it the right way again. I want to ask you one more question, Matt. Like from a... I guess, travel uh, industry business and uh, from a nomad like yourself, what would you say is a difference in your industry between a five-figure mentality, a six-figure mentality, and a seven-figure mentality? That's a good question. Five-figure, six-figure, seven-figure. So five figures, I mean, I remember, I remember that mentality. It was, hey, let's get it up there and let's put something online. And I see a lot of these businesses popping up. People at Freedom Express told me, yeah, I run some retreats for entrepreneurs. I run some, you know, there were yoga teachers there. I run uh, just these boutique little things. And I kept thinking back to the days where, yeah, I remember, I remember doing that. Uh, and I remember losing a lot of money on some of those <laughs> first trips. So making sure that your budgets are, are, in order is important. And by the way, we do this with what we call custom experiences. So if people want to run a trip, but they don't have insurance, they don't have the local guides, they don't speak the language, they don't have any connections in these places, we can put a trip on for them and just run it under their name. That's, that's something that we do kind of on the side. We call it custom oh, cool. experiences. Yeah. But then six figure, you start to grow and you're like, oh man. I have a real business here. This needs to start getting serious. Uh, there needs to be processes, uh, operating procedures. How are we? How is this thing bigger than me? Hey, can I afford to bring on a couple more people as a six-figure business? And still, uh, can we all possibly make livings off of this? Uh, you're still kind of in that unknown, and then seven figures, then you're starting to look like, all right, I can just, uh, so between two and five million, they usually call that the black hole or the Oregon Trail, <laughs> uh, where you can read a lot of different books on how that's the one of the toughest places to get your business past because that's where, you know, when you're growing, you got to pay to grow. Growth sucks cash yeah. and you're paying, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to pay people what they're worth, but you can't afford to do so yet. And uh, you need the special skill, a special type of person to uh, operate in that kind of environment. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to eight figures as we start to, to head in that direction, because then, you know, we're finally getting to the point where we can pay people industry standards and it feels like a real company. People have more job security. 
cash flow crunches aren't so crazy. We have a little more experience under our belt working with a part-time CFO, these types of things. That's when we're, yeah, edging into a little bonus for everybody looking to get into eight figures. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. That's uh, within reach. Very cool, my friend. Well, congratulations on all your success. Well-deserved because I know you hustled a lot to get all these trips planned out and traveled a lot. I imagine that was pretty taxing, but also very uh, inspiring and amazing journey to go on. So I I just want to say thank you so much for sharing all your tips and tricks and wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. And if the listeners want to reach out and learn more about Under 30 Experiences or anything about you or your podcast, I forgot to mention, uh, where's the best place they could go? Cool. Hey, th- I appreciate that, Chris. I would say personally, if you want to reach out, you can just email me, Matt at under30experiences.com. I usually get back to my email once a week. So that's, uh, yeah, look forward to connecting with people there. But personally, you can also send me an Instagram message. That's more fun than email, Matt Wilson mm-hmm. TV. And then under30experiences.com. You can check out all our trips there. We all over the place, uh, cool international adventures. And uh, on our blog on Under 30 Experiences, you can find the Live Different podcast. I've recorded oof, probably close to 120 different episodes with everybody from Kareem Abdul Jabbar to uh, the former wow. president of Starbucks. And uh, yeah, some, some cool people. So yeah, looking forward to connecting with everybody. Yeah, right on. Again, Matt, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And listeners, thank you guys for joining in, joining us once again. And we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody.